is Faith Revisited. Welcome to the podcast. On Faith Revisited, we'll talk about our own church as we're constantly trying to adapt to an ever-changing world as a downtown historic church. We'll talk about United Methodist Matters as our denomination faces an exciting and uncertain future. We'll explore church leadership in the 21st century. And we'll talk to different faith leaders about their perspectives of religion today, how we can be more authentic, stop alienating people, and how faith is more important than ever to connect us to God and each other. Hey, maybe we'll touch on a topic that speaks to exactly where you are in your faith. We won't know until we try, right? Let's do it. Hello, Faith Revisited listeners. Welcome to this week's episode of the podcast. I'm very excited about this one. I figure let's give a peek behind the curtain of who is Pastor Ben Gosden and how he got to where he is. Right now, um, you are studying for your doctorate in ministry. We were talking a little bit before we pressed record. You already have your Master's of Divinity. Um, I'm just a little curious, like, how, how did you, when did you find the calling to be a pastor? What schooling have you been through thus far? And why did you decide to get your doctorate? I, let's just talk a little bit about your journey and path in becoming a pastor. Yeah, so, uh, well, first of all, uh, in case my sound is weird, I am driving and talking hands-free. Um, so just throwing that out there in case you hear me honk at somebody or whatever. Um, <laughs> Hopefully yeah, not. So I, I want right, to share, I guess, not because my story is so important per se, but that there could be somebody listening who's at a, uh, a place in their journey that could be similar to one that, that you know, I've gone through or am going through and, and, you know, you have that point of relation. So Mm -hmm. for me, um, first of all, I got my seminary degree, uh, in 2011 from Emory university's Candler school of theology. And I'm back there now studying for my doctor of ministry. Um, and I will finish that and graduate, uh, in 2022. So, and that, and then that's the end there's there, unless I just want to get a whole new field there, there's nothing else I can do. Um, in ministry for, for schooling. So, um, that, I guess that's that, uh, the, the education portion of it. So I graduated my undergrad in political science. And the truth is I tell people that political science degree could be as important as the divinity degree. Because a degree in political science. Oh yeah. Degree in political science is simply, um, learning how to deal with people. That's yeah. all politics is, is learning how to, how to work with people, um, you know, whether it's from a policy initiative, a community organizing uh, angle, or whether it's through the church. So that political mm-hmm. science degree and how to, how to navigate people um, has proven very beneficial. So I, I'm grateful that I have an wow. uh, undergraduate degree out, outside of the field of religion mm-hmm. uh, to kind of give I, I like to think it gives more balance to who I am and, well-rounded um, the training that I've gone through yeah yeah and the truth is I did the political science degree because I wanted to go into law mm. um, but I didn't want to practice law I really wanted to go into politics but you know you have to go uh, the more traditional route into politics is to go through law school so for yes. me it was it was going to be either law school or journalism school and I wanted to spend um uh, a season of my life working on political campaigns, and then, truthfully, I wanted to be the next Tim Russert, and nice. and, uh, and and 
you know, and, and, and be like an analyst or something. I mean, it was mm-hmm. a crazy dream, but, but I, I just, I loved all of that. Yeah. Um, and then and I just the, the calling into ministry sort of came and that was something that I experienced as a young person actually. Um, and was kind of convinced through high school that I wanted to go into ministry. I mean, I um, led a, a Thursday morning Bible study group at school. Uh, you know, they we had a teacher sponsor, and the school was okay with that. Um, you know, and I, I'm very active in my youth group, and, you know, a, a leader in that. I worked at a Christian summer camp, um, you know, as, as for my volunteer service and things like that. So I, I really wanted to go into ministry and that shifted like most things do, you know, when you get in your early twenties, um, late teens and you, you know, I just had a season of life that, um, I, I was trying different things. I went through some difficult things, uh, personally, um, spent a season away from the church and then eventually came back and, uh, there was that calling all over mm-hmm. again. And, and it kind of came to me at a point in my life when a lot of my moorings were, were, were shifting. Um, you know, I was, I was engaged to somebody before my wife and then that sort of ended. And, you know, I was kind of just left at a point of, well, you know, there are now endless options. I'm not settling into a life anymore. Now I can just choose something new. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I felt God calling me into ministry. And so, um, that was that I finished my undergraduate degree. Uh, it took me a little bit longer cause I was working full time as well. Um, but yeah, finished that and got a scholarship to go to, uh, Emory university and spent three years there. And that was the first time cause I went to college in my hometown. Um, oh. so moving to the big city of Atlanta, that was a very formative experience. And I was married when we moved. Um, but we look back at those three years in Atlanta and, and they were just three of the best years of our lives. That's awesome. That's really awesome. Nice. Okay. So then you completed your master's in divinity and throughout that you have a lot of quote unquote field work, right? I don't know what they call it in this field, but you had to yeah, there, work in churches. There's a whole ordination process. Yeah. Right. And there's a whole ordination process in the United Methodist Church. And so um, I won't get too lost in the weeds with it, but yeah. you, you progress along this linear path. Um, where you have to go before um, different bodies of people at different stages of the path, and you have to be approved to go on to the next one. And so that process, I think I began it in 2006, and and I was fully ordained in 2014. But a couple of those years, you know, I was, it, it was really a matter of me just finishing my uh, my undergrad degree and then going to seminary. So. Um, yeah, I mean, there, there's a whole process to that, but I, I was ordained yeah. in uh, 2014 as a full elder uh, in the United Methodist Church. And interesting, uh, interestingly enough, um, I was pat. I, I was actually uh, I went before the final stage to go to full ordination, and I and I was told that I wasn't ready, and I had to wait huh. a year. And it was a very, very, um, you know, just disheartening experience. And 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 but what that has done is actually given me a whole lot of empathy when people get deferred in the process, mm-hmm. because you know. I struggle with people who had never experienced being deferred telling me how to feel about yeah. being deferred. I'm like, well, you have no idea how this feels. Like, thanks for your sympathy, but yeah. you don't have any idea what I'm feeling. Don't tell me how to feel. Yeah. But now I have an empathy 
so that when when people get deferred, you know, I'm able to reach out and and sort of relate with them in a way that that mm-hmm. I hope is meaningful because that season of being deferred, that whole year, some work and turn it back in. Um, it's not something I ever want to repeat, but it's something I'm very grateful for because it really opened me up. Um, in ministry and in personal growth in ways that if I had just kind of had a cakewalk through, I may not have ever experienced. Mm -hmm. So, uh, and then, and so interesting, the interesting point is the year I was scheduled to be ordained and was not, was actually the, the conference was held in Macon, Georgia. And I was serving there at the time. It was going to be a great, you know, local um, thing that I was very disappointed about. Mm -hmm. But the next year, the conference was held in Savannah. And I was approved and ordained in Savannah and at the Civic Center. Mm-hmm. And th- there's two parts of it. One thing in the, in the Methodist Church, one thing you have to do is go before the clergy session. That's all your peers and pastors. And they vote to approve you into the order of elders. You know, it's a big deal. It's a morning vote. And then at night, there's a big, you know, beautiful uh, worship service that the bishop ordains you, right? Mm-hmm. So that morning of my ordination, um, we had the clergy session where at Trinity Church. And so <laughs> at that sanctuary, I was voted on by my peers and approved into being uh, the order of elders. I even said the opening prayer that day. So it was that was a really, really neat um, sort of full circle, you know, and now now I'm serving as the pastor of the church. And I have uh, said, don't you ever think about bringing an annual conference to Savannah anytime soon? <laughs> yeah. Seriously, part, part of that is we're we're the church. We're, we're literally in walking distance from the yeah. civic center, and so we'd end up having to do all this work, hosting meetings and events, and <laughs> all the stuff that I don't feel like doing. But well, my but hospitality miss is neat. like, let's do it. Come on, come on down. Yeah. <laughs> then I guess yeah. I'd have to volunteer oh. myself for that, right? So maybe we should. Yes, yes, you would. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, I really like what you were circle. saying about you faced adversity and you were able, you're now able to work with the people who are facing the same thing. And there's so many areas in life that, you know, people face adversity and no one can tell you what to feel one, unless you've gone through it yourself. So I think that's really powerful. Yeah. And I think one of the lessons, and and there are others in ministry for me, like my appointment before Trinity was very, very hard and and it was only for two years and we ended up having to close the church and, and we were lucky enough to sort of turn a bad situation into a good one because we, we did a church merger that created a multiracial church. And that was a much better scenario than what what I walked into. But I mean, Mm -hmm. I got my butt kicked for two years in that appointment. It was hard. Mm -hmm. Um, But one of the gifts that I am convinced now in going through these difficult things in ministry, one of the gifts, we tend to think about going through adversity and the gift is developing a sense of resiliency. And and that's very true. I mean, resiliency is a big piece of the way I approach ministry now because you can't help but bring that into ministry when you've gotten your butt kicked, um, you know, in the church a few times. But the, the overlooked gift of that adversity, we tend to think resiliency because that's the gift for me, but there's a gift for others that comes out of adversity. And that's the gift of empathy. Mm -hmm. And when you've gone through something hard, it's not just about what you gain, but you now have a gift to share that you can give and relate to others in ways that had you not gone through whatever that was, you wouldn't be able to do. And so that empathy is a really big piece too. Yeah. How powerful. That's amazing. So 
you went through the whole ordination process, you have your master's in divinity, and then as of recent, a year ago or so, I mean, you've probably been playing this in your mind the entire time, but you started really hunkering down. Was it a year or two years ago now? I don't know. Time has it flown. Was, it was one year. Okay. Yeah, I know. COVID. <laughs> yeah, really messed my brain up. Um, but you decided to go back and get your doctorate in ministry. And um, what was your initial perception of that? Like, I know you are an ultimate overachiever. And so this seems like a, you know, a good next step for you from the outside looking in. But what were some of the reasons that you found your calling to do that? Well, one of the things that a pastor told me and that I now tell other pastors coming along in the system is if you want to get your doctor of ministry, wait until you're at a church that you know you can spend more than three, four, five years at, you know, get, get to that appointment where you're not going to be leaving in three years because the last thing you want to do is start a degree program that you then have to uproot and move to another church. Yeah. The other gift is the doctor of ministry is designed to not only be a gift for the pastor, but also a gift for the church Mm -hmm. because it is a very practical degree. It's one that you are working a project in your local church. So it's very much integrated into your ministry and what you should do is do it at a church that you can, you know, reap the, the benefits of it, but also that they can reap it for a long time too. So you don't want to just do a quick, you know, three years and now I'm out of here and this project, you know, whatever we did with this project just falls apart. So um, for me, my uh, initial, <coughs> excuse me, my initial purpose was it was this degree was going to be my manifesto on how to revitalize a historic downtown church. Mm-hmm. And then I got there and they were like, yeah, that's way too big. That that's <laughs> There's no way that that's going to be a project. Sorry, bud. Go back to the drawing board. Mm-hmm. So um, I spent a few months working on some things, going through the classes. And then the, and the, Emory designs a degree very well so that your first year, they really kind of guide you into a decision by the end of the spring semester on what is my project proposal. And I was originally going to do something about creating intentional systems of discipleship. And then it's spring semester of my first year when, when all these things are coming together to make decisions, COVID happens. Mm-hmm. And middle of the semester, now, of course, you know, it didn't affect school, like on Zoom doing class twice a week already. So, you know, when the whole world went to Zoom, I felt very very fluent in the language because I've been doing it for for months now. Mm -hmm. Um, So then I started rethinking the project because whatever it was going to be was going to be highly affected by this pandemic. Once we sort of realized that this wasn't a two week thing, this was going to be around for a while. Mm -hmm. So I looked at um, safety and worship and, and things like that. And then I decided finally by the end of the summer that the you know, safety and worship out of a global pandemic has a fairly short shelf life, we hope, right? Because once yeah. vaccines come out, then we can get back to normal. And I was like, well, there's no shelf life there. So I decided that hybrid church, and that's the short version of my project, but creating a hybrid church was going to be the focus of my project. So that's why listeners have been hearing a lot about online church, a lot about our logistics on how we do things, why we do things, because a lot of it's in my research. Mm-hmm. And you know, we're looking at ways to, to help people grow in their discipleship, to build community, um, and to foster connection, both in person and online. So that's that's kind of long and short of the project as, as it stands today. 
That's awesome. Do you, um, what, what's the outcome? What's the final, uh, do you have to write a paper on it or do they like, you know, a presentation on what you've, cause it, you said it's a project for the church as well. So what, what's involved yeah, in like, it, the final? So it, yeah, the finals are all of the above. So what, okay. what, what will happen is three things I will, I will have to to present. One is, and I may need your help on this, one is a nifty uh, little website presentation of oh, yeah. the project itself. Mm -hmm. So you've got to create a digital product uh, of it. You have to turn in um, a, a, a project paper. It's not quite a thesis, um, not quite as long because it, they really want to gear it towards something practical. Mm -hmm. So project paper, I think it's like 30, 40 pages. Um, that you have to turn in and then hopefully we'll be back in person because then you go to Emory um, in May to what they call the Festival of Learning and uh, we all get to get up and present our digital um, you know product that, that we created and do a TED talk on our project. Nice. So yeah awesome. a 15 20 minute captivating talk where you walk people through your project and what all it means. Wow. And are you really, now that you've settled into this decision and our church is so much in the midst of all of the hybrid church and you've really immersed yourself in that, are you feeling really confident in this? Are you excited about the things you're learning? Yeah, I am. And, 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 and part of that is that, um, you know, learning to really discern where the medium doesn't become the message itself. You know, technology, if we're not careful, just becomes toys that that, that is the message, right? Mm -hmm. And so really digging underneath that to, at things like instead of digital consumers, how do we cultivate digital citizens, you know, mm -hmm. because we're not just selling a product online, we're, we're helping holistically helping people grow in their faith and become disciples of Jesus Christ. So yeah. you got um, that, that level of research is there. There's another level of research I'm bringing in around liminal thinking, liminal thinking. It, it comes limit uh, liminal. Uh, it, the root of that word is, is threshold. Um, and liminal thinking is this, this idea of thinking and discovering without knowing the answers. So, so you're at these threshold moments of innovation and we don't yet know how things are going to turn out, but we have to start thinking and creating along the way. And so that's one level of thinking there. And then probably a third uh, big piece of thinking is just really understanding online church. I mean, we got centuries of physical in-person church yeah. uh, that we can understand, but really understanding how online church can, can coexist with, with in-person church. And, and so things like the, the Barna group is doing this ongoing research every week on, on digital church trends and things like that. Um, you know, so, so, so stuff like that, um, uh, that kind of research also will, will go a long way to inform what, what we're doing. That's wonderful. That's awesome. This is such a neat, peek behind the curtain of a world that I don't know much about. I've always been a church member and I have a lot of pastor friends, but I guess I don't really ask the questions of what's the education and the projects and products that you are doing behind the scenes and how do you get to where you're at? So do you have any other words of advice for anyone who's either looking at getting into ministry? Is there a time that's maybe too late to get into ministry? And yeah, there's no, there's no, no time that's too late to get into ministry. I always encourage people. If you feel God calling you, um, 
you know, you answer that call with courage and conviction. I also tell people to, to be very uh, prayerful and discerning about that calling because too often when someone feels a calling on their life, we want to throw them into formal education and seminary and, and ordination. Mm-hmm. And that may mm-hmm. be where God's calling you, but... I, in my experience, the, we discount the importance of, of lay people being called to ministry. So you, for example, are one person that, that has a very clear calling on your life, and, and, and but you're not called to go to seminary, but mm-hmm. you are called to serve the church faithfully, and you're doing that. So really understanding, am I really called into formal ministry, you know, with, with ordination, or am I called to be the very best lay person uh, that my local church has ever seen? Yeah, And when I got that year that I got deferred, I told uh, my wife, I kind of resolved that. I said, if I get deferred a second time, then we're just going to go in a different path. And, and I'm going to be the best lay person and Bible study teacher a local church has ever seen because I was okay. My ordination does not define who I am. Mm-hmm. And that's, that may be the other piece that I would say to pastors, especially your being ordained is not who you are. Your primary identity is in your baptism, just like every lay person. And as clergy, we get the the privilege to help people live into their baptism uniquely. And so always remember that even though we're set apart in ministry, we're all baptized Christians, and that's the Mm -hmm. primary source of, of our identity. And so when we remember that, the ups and downs and wins and losses and to and fro of local church life hopefully won't, um, impact you too much because ultimately you're gods and you belong Mm -hmm. to God and and all that other stuff is just extra. That's awesome. Wow. What a neat story. I hope our listeners enjoy hearing about Ben's journey and what he's learning, what he's learned, the process he's been through. Um, It hasn't been all rainbows and butterflies um, as no process in life is, but I'm really glad that you found your calling and that you're such a gift to Trinity. So we're very blessed to have you and that your path has led here thus far. So. Well, thank you. It's, it is a joy of my life to, to be where we are to do this podcast. If anybody has questions, you know, leave it in comments, send us emails directly. Um, I, I always love to help people who are trying to discover their way. That's awesome. Thank you so much for listening this week to the Faith Revisited podcast. We are in the midst of the Advent season. So if you have not listened to our last week's episode that came out on November 18th, episode 36 of Merry COVID Christmas season plus Advent, it was a great listen that, you know, what we're doing at Trinity, what we're thinking, how we're making this year even better, even distanced. So um, enjoy that episode and we'll be coming at you with a another one, maybe two before the end of the year. And can you believe it? We're going to be in 2021 before we know it. So it's crazy, but it's a great, it's a great journey. So we'll see y'all next time. Have a great day.